You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into the latest episode of Locked On Colts Party, Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always your host, Evan Sattery, joined by Stephen Reed of Stampede Blue. We are back here on a Thursday night talking through really intriguing scenarios for this Colts team. I went through and made about a 40-plus person list here. It was extensive work I did earlier today, just going through some guys that make sense whether it be for the Colts and free agency and the draft. So this is kind of like a Locked On Colts, so to say, big board to watch out for a key, key positions in the draft and in free agency to watch out. I feel like a lot of these guys on the list here are going to draw interest in the Colts, whether it be in the free agency or the draft, or maybe a lot of these guys on the list end up in Indy by the time you reach April or May. But, Stephen, really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, no worries at all. And let's dive in. We have a list here of cornerbacks, edge, wide receiver, tight end, and sort of like a Danigo Autry type. I just play like hybrid DT, DN. And for this list here, let's start with cornerback because this is for free agency starting off the show and the second half of the show will be about the draft. But for cornerback, Stephen, a very intriguing market here. Xavier Rhodes obviously tops the list here, but I can't, I can't with this list in mind thinking like the Colts are probably going to break the bank for a lot of guys on this list. So I kind of went, went as realistic as I could with the list here. But for cornerback, obviously I think resigning Xavier Rhodes, if possible, is the top option for the Colts. But after him, Shaquille Griffin of Seattle probably make around the same, if not more money. Then Xavier Rhodes, maybe maybe he makes it out of Seattle, but I doubt it. Akilo Weatherspoon of the 49ers has had a really up-and-down career so far in San Fran. I imagine that he's going to test the market for the 49ers and could be a cheaper option compared to Xavier Rhodes. He really fits a lot of what the Colts look for as far as length, athleticism goes. I think he's like a 99th percentile athlete at six foot three, so he fits a lot of the wingspan there. But it would be very questionable making the number one corner from day one with how improving he's been throughout his career. And then Chidobe Awuzie of Dallas, a little smaller, but he has the Eberflus connection. He was there. Uh, Eberflus was there when they, doubt, they, when they drafted a Woozy, and then he left the next year at cornerback. So something to keep in mind there with the connection with Eberflus. But these four guys on the list started off for me, Stephen, but I feel like starting off with cornerback here before we dive into the names, you have to imagine the Colts and Xavier Rhodes and his agent are probably talking around how to work out a deal and hopefully make him return to Indy. Yeah, I think they are. And part of the reason is – you hear a lot of people talk about um, Gannon and how he went to um, Philadelphia and followed Nick Sirianni over there. Um, The trouble with Philadelphia is they have no cap space. Um, So Xavier Rhodes is going to look for someplace, maybe again, a one, maybe two year deal um, where he can excel so he can potentially cash back in again uh, when the cap grows. Cause right now all these free agents are going to be in a tough situation because of where teams are at in the cap and just it's the NFL landscape right now with the cap being set at like 180, $185 million, uh, much lower than what we've expected. I think the most, uh, the most likely scenario for the Colts is probably re-signing Xavier Rhodes. Um, but the other guys that you mentioned, uh, Shaquille Griffin and Nikella Witherspoon are, are two guys that, I think from the undrafted free agent market is something that Chris Ballard will absolutely look at. A couple of Witherspoon, especially, um, like you mentioned, he he meets all those those markers, those benchmarks that Chris Ballard sets for the cornerback position and, and really anybody in the the defense that he likes to look at. Um, so I think that's probably where they're at. 
uh, I think my priority one would, if, if there's an option between these four guys, your priority one is signing Xavier Rhodes. And then I think if you can't re-sign him and you want to go this route with the undrafted or the uh, unrestricted free agency, then Akella Witherspoon is probably my my two. And then I would say Shaquille Griffin is my three. And then Awuzie is my four on this list. Um, just because this is something that Jim Aiello of, of Indy Star um, wrote an article, and it's something that you and I have talked about pretty consistently almost every time I've been on about Chris Ballard and compensatory picks and in signing a, I'll, I'll get this off the bat to start the show. When Chris Ballard signs an unrestricted free agent that has finished his contract with another team, and then he signs with the Colts, the Colts then would lose the equivalent of a free agent that one of their own free agents that signs with another team. So for example, if the Colts, sign Akella Witherspoon from San Francisco, and then Xavier Rhodes signs elsewhere. If Xavier Rhodes signs a big contract, the Colts would have been slotted to get a third or a fourth round compensatory pick in the 2022 NFL draft. However, once they sign Akella Witherspoon, that means that pick got negated and went away completely. So that's the balance that, that Chris Ballard, I think, is going to play with. Something that the Baltimore Ravens did fantastically, something the New England Patriots do fantastically to get those mid-round picks. So that's something to, before we even get really deep in the details of this conversation, that's something I want to make sure that everybody understands. Um, so when I say he doesn't want to give up a comp pick for it, that would be the reason why. Now, this next position group, I think that Chris Ballard would be more than happy giving up a comp pick for it. <laughs> Yeah, there's something to watch out for there. I mean, with Xavier Rhodes, he's probably going to be making around eight, eight and a half million dollars per year, I imagine. If it gets any more than that, I imagine he'll be walking somewhere else in free agency. Maybe a killer with her spoon at five to six million dollars per year can make a lot more sense for the Colts, save a couple million dollars on the margins there. But I have to agree with you. Xavier Rhodes is probably the most realistic option as far as resigning goes. If that doesn't happen, a killer with her spoon of San Francisco fits all the markers for the Colts. A little bit of a gamble, but of course, Xavier Rhodes was a gamble as well last year for the Colts. But I played in Minnesota the last couple of years, and he turned it around. I have to wonder if they could think they could do the same with the Killer Witherspoon and save some money while letting Rhodes walk in free agency. But that's why I believe, honestly, that the draft with cornerback, it might surprise people. But let's say like they let Rhodes walk and other guys like Witherspoon, Griffin, Awuzie all go somewhere else. It would not shock me at all if the Colts drafted the corner in the first, second round because that doesn't go against a compact formula. If they get like a JC Horn or if they go get like an Ifiedo Melifonwu, who really is a blue star prospect to me as far as a team captain, senior bowl, does everything. He can be, be a guy that makes a lot of sense for the Colts in the second round. We'll hit on the draft guys in the second part of the show today, but I would not be shocked if they went cornerback here if a guy like Xavier Rhodes walks in free agency and get like a third or fourth round compact in next year's draft. But let's hit on the edge rushers now, Stephen. I have a, another list here of four guys, and it's kind of a, a different tier, so to say. I had Bud Dupree on this list from the Steelers, but that's only because he tore his ACL last year. So maybe he signs a one-year deal, like a big one-year prove-it deal, and he can re-enter the market again next year. Outside of that, I think he makes too much money for the Colts to really be interested in Bud Dupree. But he checks the athletic measurables. He was a freak athlete, like a 95th percentile edge rusher on all the athletic traits. So he definitely fits the Chris Bauer mold there. Then Carl Lawson is right below him. Cincinnati, I put a video out on him yesterday. Just the way he rushes reminds me a lot of Justin Houston. I think he offers a lot of what Houston could, just at a younger age and more explosive. So Lawson makes a lot of sense. And then Romeo Arquar is a guy we talk about a lot in the show. 
probably around $10 million per year to pay for Aquara, maybe even a little less than that due to the COVID-19 salary cap deflation. But the last name on the list here is a guy I threw in just because I think he's a cheaper option. He fits the athletic mold. I believe the Colts were interested in this guy in 2017 in the draft process. Tyus Bowser, the uh, Ravens edge rusher, he, he's a really a power guy that can do a lot for them. So I think Tyus Bowser is the last one on this list, but really four different guys on the list for you, Stephen, that, that can really could catch the Colts eye free agency because I imagine at this point, I think we all agree that Justin Houston's probably moving on. Yeah, I think Houston's probably on his way out. The only reason, way I could see Houston resigning is if they're looking for somebody that is a like a veteran leader in the locker room. But now that they've got DeForest Buckner and and Darius Leonard is really coming into his own, I see that I don't see them really resigning Justin Houston at this point. Um, one thing I wanted to to clear up real quick um, when talking about the compensatory pick formula. Um, if a player is cut by another team, that doesn't count against you. So at both the cornerback position and in this position as well, actually all the positions, look for Chris Ballard to sign guys that are are likely cut. Um, now, looking at what you've got here, Carl Lawson and Romeo Aquara have been, you and I have talked about this several times again. I feel like I, I bring this up, but those are my two guys that if Chris Ballard was going to spend in free agency, it would be one or both of those guys. And that he would just go and attack that because both of them aren't going to get huge contracts this year. Both of them are ascending talents. Um, you know, Carl Lawson, I, I want to say he had like under seven sacks last year, like five and a half, something like that. Um, Romeo Quara had significantly more than, I think it was close to 10 um, right around there. Um, but those guys are, are two guys that I think make a lot of sense for the Colts. I really like that you added Bud Dupree on this list. Um, and, and Tyus Bowser, because Tyus Bowser, I think he was out of Houston um, in the draft, and, and I do believe the Colts were interested in him um, based on his athletic profile and, and what he can do. Uh, and he's really came, come on as of late for Baltimore. And the Ravens, as a general matter, tend to let guys walk. So they he might become available. Uh, I really like Bud Dupree. Again, this comes to a salary cap situation. Pittsburgh, they just had to restructure. Um, Ben Roethlisberger's contract and they they're trying like like Hades to get under the salary cap and I just don't see them in a position where they can really tag um Bud Dupree and really really keep him going um I think that's right with Pittsburgh um in terms of their salary cap I don't have it all right in front of me but yeah they're very they're, they're they're very tightly constrained even with the Ben Roethlisberger restructure I think they're still like 15 20 million over right now Okay, I, I thought they were, but and with the restructure, I wasn't sure how much they were able to cut off um, with with that. So these guys make a lot of sense, and this is the one position, like I mentioned in the cornerback position overview, uh, this is the one position I see Chris Ballard really diving into uh, just because it takes the edge rushers a little bit longer to develop. Um, Bud Dupree is a freak athlete when healthy, um, and these guys, these edge rushers have to understand, once again, if this is a COVID, COVID shrunken cap, you're going to be signing one-year prove-it deals. Where else do you want to be than on the fast turf of Indianapolis with a defense, two defensive tackles that are basically all ones and all pro, first team all pro, and one of them's that kind of caliber at the nose tackle position or that the zero technique position. He is 
any edge rusher that comes to Indianapolis is going to be able to have one-on-one matchups, and that's what you dream for, dream of as an edge rusher, is just going mano a mano and seeing if you can beat the guy. And you know, nine times out of ten, you know, you're going to be put in a better situation here in Indianapolis than any other, any other franchise outside of maybe the, the Rams, because you you obviously have to pay attention to Aaron Donald. DeForest Buckner gets that same attention here in Indianapolis. You play indoors, so you're not going to be playing on slippery turf or slippery grass fields. You're you're going to be playing Houston, Tennessee, Jacksonville. Uh, you know you're looking at 11 of your 16 games that are going to be in in good to moderately good weather. Um, nine of them are guaranteed to be in a dome. So. If you're an edge rusher, you want to play for this defense. It's fast. You get after the cornerback. You can boost your stats. And these guys that you have that, that you've listed, Bud Dupree and Bud Dupree, Tyus Bowser, are, are and Romeo Carr are really the speed guys. Like you said, um, Carl Lawson is is more like Justin Houston, where his his moves are varied, but he's not a pure speed guy anymore. Um, so yeah, I, this is the one position again. I could see Chris Ballard really diving into and, and opening up the pocketbook a little bit more here. Yeah, I was looking at this list as far as guys that get a franchise tag. Bud Dupree, like I, I have to imagine, probably won't get that. Maybe that Pittsburgh just goes all in again for one more year with Big Ben and his franchise tag, Dupree. Uh, salary cap be damned at that point and just go for it one more year with Ben Rosberg, who I imagine, I think we all agree, it's probably his last year playing in the NFL in 2021 with the way he restructured his contract. But maybe Dupree's franchise tag, I read there sounds like a lot of smoke coming out of Cincinnati right now, Stephen, about Carl Lawson possibly being franchise tagged. So uh, it sounds like there's a good chance Carl Lawson will be franchise tagged, according to James Rapine over at Locked on Bengals and SI. He's been reporting over there for the last couple of days. That he's heard a lot internally that they're going to probably franchise tag Carl Lawson, which take him off the market. So I think Romeo Arquara makes the most sense off this list. I mean, they're probably going to franchise tag Kenny Galladay. It's not that they're going to do that at this point, according to Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell. So that leaves Aquara as the odd man out there, so to say. And you can pay Aquara around like 30 to $32 million over a three-year contract, around $10 million per year. I think that just makes a lot of sense. And per PFF, I think he was one of the highest-graded guys as far as pressures go. And as well as on the left side, where Justin Houston probably ran from, he was a number three overall edge rusher last year. So up next to DeForest Buckner, I think he could be a really, really high upside guy in this system. I think Aquara on like a three or $30 million deal, $10 million per year, could make a lot of sense for this team. But Let's dive into the next portion of this list here. Very intriguing list, in my opinion, at wide receiver. Of course, they have T.Y. Hilton on the board here as a re-sign candidate. But outside of that, Nelson Aguilar, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis. And I threw in Demarcus Robinson here as well, because I feel like even if you re-sign T.Y. Hilton, Demarcus Robinson makes a lot of sense as just a vertical guy. He, he really never played a big role in Kansas City. He's always their fourth wide receiver. He'd be the same thing here in Indy, but provides a vertical threat for them on a cheap contract. Like, like I mentioned, if you re-sign T.Y., if you don't re-sign T.Y., I think Robinson makes a lot of sense. He was actually um, drafted by Chris Bowden in Kansas City, so there's that connection with the Chiefs and Robinson. So something to keep an eye on is Demarcus Robinson being a, a legit chief free agency option for the Colts and free agency. But T.Y. Hilton, Aguilar, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis, and Demarcus Robinson, what do you think about those five names? I think you're looking at – I like them. Uh, I think you're probably looking at T.Y. Hilton – as depending on the money, I think T.Y. would be their number one option to come back. Then I think Nelson Aguilar makes a ton of sense to me um, just because of the connection with Frank Reich, the connection he's had with Carson Wentz and, and that chemistry that is already built in. 
uh, in the years that they played together in Philadelphia. Um, Marvin Jones is a, an intriguing guy because he's a little bit older, um, but he can still get down the field and he still beats guys. And he goes up and he he's tough. He like he makes those tough catches. Um, Corey Davis is a guy that that we've talked about. Uh, he's a sleeper candidate to me for the Colts to to go out and sign in free agency um, because he was kind of oddly utilized in Tennessee. Um, one of the big things that that he was used on was for play action. And the reason why I think that he could be somebody that the, one of the reasons that I think he could be somebody that Chris Ballard really looks at is because I believe that the Colts are going to go heavy play action this year with Carson Wentz, because you've got, Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line, you have to respect that. And then you've got Carson Wentz, who can, who is proficient with play action and can get out of the pocket. And so he's a little bit more mobile. You can get him outside on play action, open it up, and just let let somebody like Corey Davis, Nelson Aguilar, go ahead and fly. Demarcus Robinson is really interesting. I've never, I've never really considered him um, before, but he makes some really good points. Um, he is he's such a good athlete and once they started like stacking receivers on receivers i mean you had you know, tyreek hill sammy watkins nicole hardman and then demarcus robinson you're right he's and then i mean don't forget you know travis kelsey in there because he was basically wide receiver um as it were so he was really like the fifth or sixth option um there in kansas city so it'd be interesting to see what he could do if given a more prominent role. I don't think that they would sign him as the number one, uh, but he would be a pretty solid option to go into that number three position and kind of, you know, battle it out with, with Zach Pascal in that, that situation. I think Zach, Zach Pascal has got a, his own little niche on this team. So I don't think it's something where he would lose necessarily lose snaps, um, but he might lose targets in that situation. So I, I think that's a pretty good list. Um, I, I don't know if I could come up with any better. Obviously, Allen Robinson is is the prize uh, of free agents. But I honestly, I'm not sure I see Chris Ballard spending a ton just because he has it in the past. And when he does, it's usually for edge rushers. I mean, Justin Houston was maybe the biggest contract he's given out to a free agent other than like Philip Rivers. Um, and so... I just don't see him spending a ton because of the way he's built this roster thus far and the upcoming contracts that he's got, you know, for Darius Leonard, for Braden Smith, for Quentin Nelson. He's got a lot of stuff there. So I think you're right to, to kind of leave uh, Allen Robinson off this list for right now. Um, the same thing with Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not even sure where he would fit in because um, he's going to want – wide receiver one money, but he's not played like a wide receiver one um, in the past couple of years since being the the guy in Pittsburgh. So I think this is probably a really solid list uh, given what the Colts needs and, and the offense. Colts fans, rockauto.com is the place to go if you want to save money on your next car purchase. You can save so much money on whatever it may be, like a fuel pump assembly, motor oil changes, new carpet, tail lamps, anything you think of. rockauto.com has you covered and they put so much money back into your pocket with the way they go about their family-owned business for the last 20-plus years over at rockauto.com. Whether it be a classic or daily driver out there, 
it's remarkably low and easy to navigate is their catalog. You, you can do so many things. It's unique. It's easy. Everything on rockauto.com is so efficient, and you're able to really do a lot over at rockauto.com. Go over to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How's Your Boss box. Send a locked on cold sent you over there. Again, write locked on, L O C K E D O N, in the How's Your Boss box. Send that locked on Colts sent you over there. Black History Month was last month, and we had a great series on Black History Month on the Locked On Podcast Network called Locked On Presents More in the Game with Candace Cooper and Ross Jackson. Some great stuff there. Go tune in and listen if you're not already. It's some really, really great work over there. Go to the radio.com feed app or wherever you get your podcast and listen to Locked On Presents More in the Game. If you had to pick one guy off that list, Stephen, including T.Y., between Hilton, Aguilar, Jones, Davis, and Robinson, I know there's a sentiment with T.Y. Hilton there, but I think, honestly, if he gets about 8 to $9 million per year, I don't even know if the Colts would be comfortable going to $10 million per year for T.Y. Hilton on even a two-year deal. I think that T.Y. might get that money elsewhere on a contending team. But I would probably say, at this point, the most realistic option probably is Nelson Aguilar to replace T.Y. if that were to happen, just because, like you mentioned, the connection in Philadelphia with Reich and Wentz. And I think Corey Davis is going to get paid more than $10 million per year by someone out there. I think he's just too intriguing of a guy for a top-five pick. Marvin Jones, I think he'll go to a contender like the Rams at L.A. I've heard a lot of smoke around. Maybe Marvin Jones wanted to go to L.A. and reunite with Matthew Stafford there to play alongside Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So that could make a lot of sense for them as well. Maybe Demarcus Robinson either way. If you re-sign T.Y. or if you bring on Aguilar to replace him, I feel like he makes sense either way. But where would you lean? If you want to spend like 8 to $10 million per year, are you going T.Y., Aguilar, Jones, Davis, or Robinson? I'm probably, I'm probably going Aguilar. Um, I'm, I'm probably, my, my order is probably Aguilar Davis, um, then probably T.Y. and then Jones, then, then Robinson. One sneaky guy to, cause we've talked a lot about them wanting a vertical guy, um, that can really stretch the field. One sneaky guy that might be like a, a low call, like super cheap signing is John Ross out of Cincinnati. I know he's had a bunch of issues, but the guy can fly. And, you know, who knows what, like Cincinnati was a, has been a mess for so long. And, and he, there was some dissension um, there in Cincinnati about him wanting out. But I, I just thought of that name. I was like, you know what, thinking of vertical guys, they can just go and, and catch, catch a go route and get behind a defense. John Ross makes a lot of sense um, for somebody super cheap, just a flyer just to see see if you can get something out of him. Former top 10 pick, um, was a, a pretty good player. Um, thought he was drafted way too high, but still. Uh, but anyway, out of, out of this list, I'd probably go Aguilar just because of the connection um, with Wentz and, and Reich and, and that familiarity. And then I'd probably, probably lean Corey Davis next if I could get him in that range and then T.Y. Something to watch out for, of course, is this wide receiver position, how the Colts are going to go about it, especially with T.Y. Hilton. If you guys want to listen to Stephen and I really waxing poke on T.Y. Hilton earlier this week on Monday, go check out that episode. We spent the first like 20, 25 minutes of it talking about T.Y. and what could happen there. So go go check out Monday's episode if you're not already with Stephen and I talking about T.Y. Hilton and what could happen here in a couple weeks for him. But the next position here on the list for us is at tight end. And the more I thought about this, Stephen, the more I think, you know what, if the Colts bring back T.Y. or if they go cheap wide receiver – I think they could splurge a tight end. Like, they want to get a weapon on board here. A guy like Johnny Smith from Tennessee, I think, makes a lot of sense to me. He's so athletic, wasn't used correctly in Tennessee. You have A.J. Brown, you have Corey Davis on board there. 
I think him and like the Eric Ebron 2018 role really intrigues me. Pay him like $8 million per year to come here, like on a four year, $32 million deal. He's only 25 years old. If you want to go cheaper than that, like a lot cheaper, you can get Gerald Everett on board from the Rams. He's going to be walking in free agency from LA with all the money they have tied up. And then another name on the list here is Dan Arnold of the Arizona Cardinals. And maybe a lot of people don't know about Dan Arnold, but he was like the vertical threat in the Colonel's offense this past year. He's six foot seven, super fast guy. Looked at his athletic profile. He's like 90th percentile in almost everything for tight ends as far as mock draftable and playerprofile.com goes. So as far as a super cheap option, Dan Arnold makes a lot of sense in the Cardinals. Gerald Everett's probably the second in the mid-tier option, probably around like four to five million dollars per year. And if you want to break the bank for a guy like eight to nine million dollars per year, I think Johnny Smith makes a lot of sense here. I feel like the closer we get the free agents, the, cl- the, the more I feel like they might go, whether it be either one of these pricing options, they're probably going to sign a tight end in my opinion. Yeah, I think they're good. I think they've got to do something at tight end. Now, whether it, it's signing a free agent or through the draft, um, I really like Johnny Smith. Uh, I, he's going to be my, my top tight end target for, you know, bang for your buck. Cause I, I still don't think Chris Bowie's going to get into the bidding war for Hunter Henry in there because he's going to get that Austin Hooper, like big contract kind of money. Please, everybody, Kyle Rudolph is not a good option for us. Um, I love, you know, Notre Dame. I'm a Notre Dame fan, but Kyle Rudolph is, is just, it would be a really, really large reclamation project there. Um, I, I'm interested by the Gerald Everett because he was definitely not used very well in, in the Rams system. Um, and, and he is a, more of an athletic tight end. Cause, and we, we talked about it. Chris Ballard talked about this um, in, in his press conference, trying to get that more athletic stretch the field tight end, kind of what they had with Eric Ebron, but hopefully one that can actually catch the ball. Um, that's a big thing. And so, yeah, and then Dan Arnold, I, that's an interesting, that's a sneaky, sneaky signing because um, he he does, he can catch passes. Um, he and they definitely kind of shied away from from the tight ends in that Arizona offense, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, given you know Kyler Murray is a, a shorter quarterback. Normally, in that situation, you want to get the ball out quick. You want to get the ball to to tight ends and crossers tight ends on out routes, stuff like that. Um, and so it's one of those things where that, that's a that's a sneaky, sneaky signing. I like it. Yeah, that's going to be so intriguing to watch tight end here because I feel like whether it be early on in the draft or in free, I think they're going to sign someone. And just real quick for those out there wondering, like, why do you want to go out and get a tight end, whether you want to spend money or maybe draft a guy early in the on day two? And in my opinion, I just think it's because Molly Cox, I feel like, is more Jack Doyle than he is like an Eric Ebron. I feel like a lot of Colts fans might be misconstrued about Molly Cox as far as an athlete goes. He, he's definitely a physical throughout there. He's like six foot six, 250, 60 pounds, but he's like a four six, high four six forty with the way he runs. Like he's not like a burner out there. And the Colts definitely need a burner. And I think maybe after this year they cut Jack Doyle. I don't think that's going to happen in 2021, but maybe 2022. And the final year of his contract, where it was like absolutely no dead money on it. I could see if Molly Cox does well this year in more of a Jack Doyle type role. They could cut Doyle, and then maybe if they bring on like a, a early draft pick or sign like a Johnny Smith or Gerald Everett, you could phase Jack Doyle out and he could be cut after next season. But I think Molly Cox, Stephen, is more so like a Jack Doyle than he is like an Eric Ebron. Do you agree with that? Yeah. 
Yeah, and they used him as, as such. I mean, they used him more as a blocking tight end than they did as a receiving. I think he's a more athletic version of Jack Doyle um, that is, you know, more explosive in the passing game, but not much more. Uh, you know, Molly Cox is such a tenacious blocker. Like, that's that's why they had him in there. That's why they brought in Trey Burton um, is because they didn't have that athletic tight end and they knew it. So I, I think that – I think you're right. I, I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've definitely said it privately that I think Jack Doyle might be a cut candidate because he might be the worst contract that Chris Ballard has on this roster, which is saying something because it's a really still a good contract. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's probably a, a solid a solid bet to say that, that Moali Cox is – the kind of more like Jack Doyle than he is like an Eric Ebron. Last point here on the free agency list before we dive quickly over to the draft and the list I made of some guys, but the closer we get to free agency as well, the closer I feel like maybe the culture of Danico Autry walk in 2021 free agency, because I feel like he's going to get paid by someone, whether it be, I don't think it's going to be an indie for more than like $5 million per year. I know they paid him like $6 million annually a couple years ago, but at this point he's older. He's produced, though. He's put up some great sack numbers this past year, seven and a half sacks alongside DeForest Buckner in 2020. But I feel like a team out there is going to overpay for like six, seven, eight million dollars a year for Danico Autry. Probably one of the better like three tech, like hybrid guys in the market, in my opinion. What do you feel like Danico Autry's future is in Indy? I, the more I looked at it, like as far as the cap space goes, too, if they re sign T. Ware out of wire receiver for eight to $10 million per year, if you splurge on an edge rusher, if you re sign Xavier Rhodes, any re-signed guys like your restricted free agents or some cheap guys like Al-Qadim Muhammad, the money gets super tight, super fast for the Colts. I feel like Danico Autry might be a guy, in my opinion, that could probably more so walk in free agents and then re-sign. That's different than what I thought about a month or so ago, but the closer you look at the cap, the more I feel like Danico Autry is probably outside looking in as far as returning to the Colts in 2021. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great way to look at it because, yeah, the Colts right now have $43 million in cap space um, once the Carson Wentz trade is completed and all that guaranteed money gets applied. Um, but that's going to go quick. Uh, that $43 million, you've still got to re-sign your own guys. You've, if you're looking at a free agent or two, you, you, you can only sign like one or two big-name guys, and then that cap's gone. And so – as a team, and Chris Ballard knows this, when you're building a team, you can't just look at the, the one year and you can't just be like, all right, I'm just, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Dallas Cowboys just throwing money, Washington Redskins, Washington football team just throwing money at guys. Uh, so I, I think the more likely scenario is that the Colts re-sign Al-Qadi Muhammad um, and let Tanika Autry walk. You know, Tanika Autry is what, like 31 years old, something like that. Um, so he's on the other side of 30. Uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad, who played just as well as Danico Autry, um, maybe even more consistent, because Danico Autry would, like, show up and have, like, three sacks in a game and then be gone for, like, four games. And you'd be like, well, did he get injured? Is he not not there? Is that what's going on? No, they just – maybe they, they, they swap their protection schemes to cover Autry for a couple games, but that – I feel like Alkadi Muhammad is a little bit more consistent than Danico Autry last year, just as a whole. So I think the, the Colts would be more likely to focus on AQM to get him back for cheaper than what somebody else is going to pay 
Janique Watcher, because I think you're right. I think Janique Watcher is going to get himself between six, seven, eight million dollars um, from some team out there that that needs a defensive tackle, a defensive end hybrid. Uh, and so I feel like Chris Valley is going to let him walk so he can recoup again, try to recoup some compensatory picks. A name here on the list, I only have one name down as a Nico Autry replacement. I view AQM more so as a guy just solely on the edge as far as being like your new Jabal Sheard and a cheaper guy like that. But a guy who really is intriguing to me for like four to $5 million per year next year, coming off a torn ACL, he played the Forest Buckner in San Francisco today, former top five pick, Solomon Thomas. What do you feel like about him as a kind of a sneaky younger version of Danico Autry? And I really like Solomon Thomas coming out of the draft um, out of Stanford. He he was such a good player. Um, and then he just kind of got pushed out in San Francisco and then obviously got injured this year. Uh, I think he would be a great signing, um, low risk, high reward signing for the Colts. Cause I'm, I'm not sure what his contract demands would be uh, in, in this situation, given that he's coming off such a pretty major injury, but he would be a sneaky good signing. He would be a very Chris Ballard signing. He's like 25, 26 years old coming off his first contract, coming off an injury, likely an ascending contract, gets to – or ascending talent, like gets to go ahead and play next to DeForest Buckner again. So there's that chemistry as well. I think that would be a, a sneaky good signing there, again, for Chris Ballard. There's a lot you've, – you've made some great points, Evan, in the guys you've brought up in free agency, just guys that are, are maybe not as well-known names, but – really make a lot of sense given their talents and their their prospects uh, and how they fit in this Colts team. This kind of ties into our draft point. Now we're transitioning over to the draft. And the last point on my list here is no guys in this part because I feel like the more I've thought about it and you just see the market out there for the offensive tackles, I think especially with Quentin Nelson's contract kind of Braden Smith's going to be extended this offseason. I'd be shocked if he's not. Ryan Kelly's the highest paid center in the NFL. Mark Lewinsky, I think, might earn another contract extension in another year or two with the way he played last year. I think there's a 100% chance at this point. I, that's, a, that's a lock. I know it's 100% lock on my part, but I really believe that the Colts are going to go draft, whether it be 21-54, and get in the left tackle of the future, just salary cap-wise. I just think it makes no sense to go out and get even a stopgap veteran for a year or two. Yeah, I'm with you. At first I was, I was saying, okay, let's try to – put our money in for Trent Williams back in like the late December, early January. And then same thing. As I looked at the cap, I, I just go, there's no way you, you can't spend, you can't spend that much salary at the offensive line position by going out and signing a big name offensive tackle going through the draft is the only one that really makes sense to me. And that's where I, I, I feel pretty well uh, if I placed a bet on, on that, that the Colts would go offensive tackle in their draft rather than signing somebody in free agency. Looking at the left tackle list here, just really quickly, we've talked about a lot of these guys already, so we can make this quick, but Darisol thinks the best case scenario, Christian Darisol at Virginia Tech. But then from there, like late first, early second, you have Dylan Redunes out of North Dakota State, Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, Sam Cosme of Texas, Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, even guys like Deontay Smith of East Carolina and James Hudson of Cincinnati. That's a very deep class where you get a lot of guys either at 21, 54, even if you trade back from 21 or 54 into the early mid third round. Like this is the year I think, Stephen, I mean, we just laid it out there for free agency where I think whether it be in the day one or day two, the Colts are 100% taking a left tackle. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's really where it's going. The guy that that I've mentioned before, Walker Little from Stanford, is a guy that that might be a a, a late sign, late round guy. Um, if the the Colts or maybe an early day three guy, um, or if the Colts trade back from twenty one, pick up that third round pick, then that might be a, a spot there where they look to fill it. Um, but yeah, my. Mm, Again, Christian Derisaw is the guy that I think makes the most sense for the Colts if he's available and somehow falls. Uh, Rashawn Slater, I'd love for him as well, but I just don't see him falling that far. Uh, outside of that, I, I honestly see the Colts trading back from 21 and, and grabbing you know, offensive tackle, corner, edge rusher, wide receiver, something like that um, there with their first pick. I think offensive line and offensive tackle specifically make the most sense with Liam Eikenberg, Dylan Radunes, um, those guys. Deontay Smith is a good good name to mention. He's it's a guy that I think Zach Hicks talked to. Um Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue and Cover One talked to uh the other day. And uh it, it's a he he'll he'd be a good one right there if the Colts are able to to get him and, and let him develop. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college, basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time data, odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online is careful of news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or your mobile device right now, sign up today, and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code is locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Thursdays on Lockdown NFL are a must-listen as Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team bunning perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every Thursday. Subscribe to Lockdown NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and just real quickly, I'm going to go through this list of guys for each position. I put a star next to their name because they fit the blue star mold that I came up with a couple years ago just as far as a team captain or they played in the Senior Bowl or they're very athletic. And if you're a blue star, you fit every single one of those traits. And Dylan Radunes in North Coast State fits that. Liam Eichenberg originally was a senior bowl invite. He declined that, so I put him on the list here. So he was technically a senior bowl invite. Sam Cosme was a captain. He declined a senior bowl invite as well. But then Alex Leatherwood and Deontay Smith. So we have four, five guys here that fit as blue star prospects with Radunes, Eichenberg, Cosme, Leatherwood, and Smith. But let's move on here to cornerback, Steve. We talked about it in the beginning of the show. But intriguing list of guys here as far as um, – Either day one, day two, or even early day three goes. J.C. Horn out of South Carolina at 21. I, I have my doubts they'd even take Horn at 21, even though he fits every single athletic bowl for the Colts. Just because I don't think the position is as value for them as it would be for other teams with how much zone they play. Greg Newsom of Northwestern is another name gaining a lot of buzz around the Colts community. I saw uh, Daniel Jeremiah mocked him at 21 out of Northwestern. Um, the Blue Star prospect here on this list that – really fits the bill for them at 54 if he's still there, if they want to go corner this early, is Ifia to Melifonwe out of Syracuse, was a team captain there, senior bowl, very athletic. I think he fits the mold for the Colts. They want to draft one early on. So Melifonwe is kind of the blue star guy on this list. But then day three guys, Paulson Adebo, Eric Stokes out of Georgia, Demidor Leanwar out of Oregon, and Keith Taylor out of Washington. An intriguing list really day one through three that the Colts want to take a, a, a stab on a guy, they could maybe hit some upside. Yeah, I think that they're going to definitely take a guy on day two um, somewhere. Well, again, I think they're going to trade back and pick up an extra pick. Um, they're, uh, Greg Newsom and Melifonwu make the most sense for me. Um, I want to say um, 
one of the guys over at, I forget who it was, um, but they, they put me onto Melifonmu. And, and so you watch some of his tape and, and he's a guy who's aggressive. He's, he's got those athletic traits. He's senior captain. He's what Chris Ballard really kind of looks for. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the pick there in round two. Paulson Adebo is a guy that um, he's out of Stanford and he's got all the, he's got all the mental side of it that you would, that you'd want him to do. He's got a lot of the, the traits that Chris Ballard likes, um, but he has struggled at times. So that's why you see him. If you, you play these mock draft simulator games, you see them fall down a lot. Um, I'm not sure that he's as low on those as, as what he is in the NFL community. Uh, I feel like he's going to go a little bit higher than people think. Uh, and then uh, Key Taylor is a guy that, that I really like uh, as a, a early day three prospect uh, for the Colts out of Washington. He, he makes a lot of sense. Going to the edge rushers now, Stephen, and a couple of guys here are blue star prospects. The number one guy on the list here, if he's there at 21, I would be very surprised if the Colts passed up on him just because of the traits and the leadership aspect. He was a team captain. He wasn't the senior bowl as Patrick because he was a, a junior, but Quiddy Pay was a captain for Michigan this past year. Very athletic. He's going to like break the three-cone record reportedly as pro day. So very bendy, very athletic. He definitely, from day one, would be the Colts' edge rusher replacing Justin Houston. So Quiddy Pay tops the list here. Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Aziz Ojulari is also a blue star prospect, two-time captain of Georgia as a redshirt freshman and sophomore. It's very rare leadership qualities there. And Dane Brugler, the athletic, has Ojulari as his number one edge rusher on the board. So I, I trust Dane, what he talks about there. And when I go back and watch Ojulari, I know he doesn't have like the length and the, uh, the stuff that maybe the Colts look for athletically. He's, he's very athletic. I want to put that in there. But just as far as length goes and arm length and stuff like that, Ojulari doesn't check the box, so to say. But Man, he reminds me a lot. This is, I know this is very high praise, but he's like Robert Mathis-esque to me. Like with the way he can strip the ball, he, he really looked a lot like Robert Mathis in that game against the Cincinnati Bearcats in their bowl game. If you want to go back and watch it, like he just took over that game in the second half. Looked like Mathis off the edge there with his hand usage. He really is one of my favorite guys there. So watch out for Azizo Jularia at 21 for the Colts, in my opinion. I think it checks a lot of the boxes. Jason Awe out of Penn State as well. Jordan Smith out of UAB. Shaka Tony is also a blue star prospect. He'll be like a late two, early day three guy for Penn State. Very bendy team captain this past year for Penn State. Alway as well was with, was with Penn State, but, top, but Tony was the, uh, the leader in that room, the captain. And then Peyton Turner, the more I watch him from Houston, Stephen, I feel like the Colts don't sign a guy like Solomon Thomas or free agency. I feel like it's almost a lock that Peyton Turner is probably a guy they look at to replace Danico Autry because – He's like a more athletic version of Danico Autry. He can play inside. He can play outside. Very good against the run. A very sneaky, good pass rusher as well. So Peyton Turner is a blue star prospect as well. Senior bowl team captain this past year. So a couple of guys in the list are blue star prospects. But I think one of these guys, by the end of the draft, is going to be a Colt, in my opinion. I, I agree. I'd, I'd add Ellison Smith on that list um, as a sleeper guy there in day three, late day three. Um, opportunity out of northern iowa um so these guys quick pay is i think he might we, we talked about this about jalen phillips and quitty pay um jalen phillips pure talent wise might be the best defensive end but best film is probably quitty pay um just you know the way that he can play and he's going to test well he he 
checks off all the boxes. Aziz Ojolari is interesting because, like you mentioned, he doesn't check all the boxes. Um, but Chris Ballard has had a knack for going outside the box for guys that do one thing really well. Um, you know, you look at um, Kenny Moore, for example. Kenny Moore doesn't check basically any of the boxes that, that Chris Ballard has in terms of length or height and, and all that. Uh, but he does – he plays that slot corner position better than anybody else in the NFL. Uh, he's – I feel very confident saying that he's the best slot corner in the NFL. Um, and he can go up against anybody. He he has some just elite immeasurables in there is, is maybe the best way to put it. And Aziz Ojolari is another guy that, like you said, he, he reminds you of Robert Mathis. He's got – one or two moves that you just can't stop. And if he can get those off on you, you're done. And so, and he's, he's got athleticism. Yeah. He doesn't have the length, but he still would be a really good prospect in this defense. Um, I really like Peyton Turner um, out of, uh, as a, I think he's going to creep up boards. Um, I think he's probably going to end up being a late, round two pick maybe early round three pick um so i wouldn't be surprised to see the colts go there um in, in those 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 selections just because he like you said he's like a a lesser version of i i think he's i don't know if you see his more athletic version of Solomon thomas Solomon thomas again was like a top five top seven pick so it's hard to to match that but peyton turner is could be just as good if you give him an opportunity, um, especially playing in that defensive line with that rotation, you really let him grow rather than force him into the, the mix right away. So I really like the, the end group. The, this is the Colts are really lucky this year based on the depth at the positions that they need line up with the depth of the draft. And this is like the third or fourth year in a row where this has happened, where the Colts have needed a specific type of player, and it happens to be one of the deepest positions in the draft. So, again, I think you're going to see the Colts end up with an offensive tackle early. They're going to end up with an edge rusher and or a cornerback early. And I think that's just kind of what's going to happen, I feel like, based on, on what they've done in the past. Yeah, very intriguing list there for edge rushers. And I can guarantee you at this point, I think one of them is going to be an Indy by the time we reach the end of the 2021 NFL draft. But let's move on to wide receivers here, Stephen. And another list here featuring just only two blue star guys as far as captain and senior bowl go. But Rashad Bateman, I doubt at this point he's going to be there at 21. But if he is, I'm very intrigued by that possibility. Even with Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell on board, I think Bateman could be a legit number one wide receiver in the NFL. Terrace Marshall out of LSU. Rondale Moore out of Purdue, Diami Brown out of North Carolina. Tylen Wallace is a blue star prospect on the list out of Oklahoma State. Will there be in round three at the Colts trade back or early day three? I think he makes an awful lot of sense there. Two-time captain of Oklahoma State, senior bowl did very well down there. A name to watch there, Tylen Wallace. Josh Amir Beebe out of Illinois. And this is getting more into mid to late day three, guys. Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. And then Mark Butt stevenson is the last guy on the list who's a blue star prospect as well out of Houston. Very, very speedy guy. I think like a 4 three forty. Takes the top off the defense. He's very small. But 
he'd be a really big vertical threat in this in this scheme and could be like a fifth, sixth round steal for the Colts if they were to go Stevenson here. Team captain for Houston did very well at the Senior Bowl as well. So th- this is the list of wide receivers, a couple blue stars in the list there, and a lot of high end guys as well. Yeah, I really like Terrace Marshall. Um, I think that it, this is now the second year in a row that I've kind of liked the other guy at LSU. Uh, I was a big fan of Justin Jefferson last year going into the draft, feeling like he got overlooked because of Jamar Chase. I feel like that's happening again with Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, is he's getting overlooked because of Jamar Chase. He's such a good player. I would love it if they, the Colts are able to snag him. Just It would be stealing him at 54 if they were able to get it. I don't think he makes it that far. Um, but I also don't think the Colts take a wide receiver at 21, even if Bateman's there. I just don't – I don't feel like that's where their their focus will be. Um, we did our, our mock draft, our live mock draft last week or earlier this week, and we went with Rondale Moore in the second round, and I felt really confident about that. Even though he is shorter, he is – one of the things is Chris Ballard only once has drafted a receiver under six foot two. Um, he's drafted five, five wide receivers total. Um, four of which were six foot two and over two of which were over six, four. And then Paris Campbell was six foot. Um, so I, that's my one concern with Rondale Moore and same thing with Marcus Stevenson is, is the height, um, that Chris Ballard just doesn't typically draft short receivers. Um, I really like Amita baby. We've talked about this. Amir Smith Marset is a, a guy that is interesting because, when he played, he was the guy and they went to, they fed him over at Iowa and they, they fed him constantly. And he has some maturity issues. It seemed like, so that would be my, my one major concern with him um, because he got, I think he got injured during a celebration that ended up ending his season last year. So that that's a, that's a bit of a concern, um, but he could be an interesting late round steal. Um, kind of guy. So, out of that group, I think Terrace Marshall is is kind of the guy that I would I would focus on at least in round two. If you're looking at guys on day three, a meter BB makes a ton of sense. Um, Telling Wallace, I haven't really gotten into, so I don't want to say too much about it. Um, but saying that he's a, a blue chip guy, you've been really accurate with those, Evan, in the past about you know, nailing off the guys that check certain boxes and Chris Ballard's really kind of gone off, you know, you, you really hit that. Um, so mentioning that he's a blue chip guy is something that makes me want to go and uh, dig a little bit deeper um, into his tape and kind of get a better feel for him as a prospect. Last position group here, a very short list because I really didn't feel like diving much into day three guys for tight end just because I feel like it's a very weak class, but this is a guy here. I'm going to start off. He's actually a blue star prospect. Brevin Jordan out of Miami. I love this guy. I think he's one of my guys in this class. Just the way he can fly around the field. He was used very much like a Travis Kelsey at Miami. He could also be like a Johnu Smith too. Like freakish athlete. He's like a 90 percentile athlete for tight end position. He's going to run fast. He's going to jump well. He's a mismatch nightmare. He's a great with his hands too. Really drop the ball as well at Miami. A willing blocker too. To have all that stuff mixed into one guy. Is so intriguing to me. I feel like Frank Reich would be pounding the tail for Brevin Jordan. And I feel like in my drafts moving forward here, I've been the last like day or two, I've been putting Brevin Jordan as my guy at 54 if he's there because I just feel like you can get Brevin Jordan on a four-year rookie deal compared to like spending on Johnny Smith or Gerald Everett or Dan Arnold. 
I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me. Like Brevin George, the team captain of Miami, he wasn't in the senior bowl this year, but captain, athletic, rarely drops the ball, a William blocker. I feel like in Frank Reich's offense, like Brevin Jordan could be a star tight in this league. And he's my guy here that really makes a lot of sense to me in day two for the Colts. And I, like I said earlier in the show, like don't be shocked the Colts value tight end early on this draft. And Brevin Jordan really checks every single box that Chris Bauer wants out of the tight end position. And the Jim Mercer comment that, that he made about wanting 10 and 87, as far as referencing Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, I think Brevin Jordan really fits the mold of that kind of guy. And don't be shocked that he's the pick for the Colts on day two at 54, even if they move, move back and still got him in the early second round, like with the way the tight ends are this year, Kyle Pitts is going to be a top six, top seven pick, but Pat Fryer moves ahead of Brevin Jordan at Penn state might be a late first, early mid second round pick. And teams don't really draft tight ends early that much anymore. I don't know why, but Brevin Jordan, I think could be a steal this draft. And I think he fits so well in this Colts scheme. And then Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame, Stephen. I think he is a very willing blocker, very athletic, and he could be like a really move tight end, like a a hi, like a hybrid, like hyperized version of a Trey Burton, where he's a very, very, very good blocker, but he's also super athletic. Yeah, Brevin Jordan is is like one of my guys too. Like I, I keep drafting him, and any any mock draft I do, especially if I trade back from twenty one and pick up another late second or early third round pick, I always end up taking Brevin, uh, um, Brevin Jordan because he just makes uh, too much sense in this offense. And he's, he's really raw too as a blocker and as a prospect. And so, but he's got some great qualities to him. So him in this offense, really, I feel really confident about the Colts if they were able to get him. Um, you mentioned. Uh, Tommy Tremble, he's a he's a guy on Notre Dame that I think you know, people talk about how much he blocks and that he he wasn't sent out to run routes as often, um, and so I feel like that's an underrated part of his game. I feel like he'll be able to to really show that in the NFL. A guy that another guy I like um, as a late day three pick is Nick Eubanks out of Michigan. Um, he's a guy that I think could be again the the guys I'm focusing on right now. Um, are what they call F tight ends. So guys that your Y tight end is a guy that's usually in line and your F tight end is the one that's moved out in the slot. Um, so more, more or less the guy that's running around. That's what Eric Ebron was, um, what Trey Burton mainly was. So, so listeners can understand the difference between the two. These guys that I'm talking about, Brevin Jordan is mainly an F tight end. Nick Eubanks mainly an F tight end. Tommy Tremble really can be both. Um, and so I, I really feel confident about Brevin Jordan though. Like if, if the Colts can come away with him, I'd be really excited. Steven, this is a lot of fun, man. And we went deep again on this with a free agency and the draft, but we go in depth on these episodes and it's so fun just because we can really get in, into the nitty gritty of this. And I think we covered every single box here as far as free agency options and the draft options go for the Colts. You go ahead and follow Steven on Twitter. If you're not already Colts, man, they must follow over at nice read Steve. And go read and listen to his work, as always, over on Stampede Blue. Really appreciate the time again today, man. All right. Thanks, Evan. Have a great one.